good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or it's 2 a.m. Good morning, this is Eagle Eyes on Tech Guy. Eagle Falcon. Bit of a late up, uh, bit of late to the live show, anyway. Unfortunately, we got a bit sidetracked with very ex... Not sure if I'd say exciting, but very interesting story in the game. Maybe I'll talk about that on Eagle Eyes some, some other day, but not today. I am going to, however, talk about the effects of others' people's choices. There was a decision made over the week that affected a lot of people emotionally. These people in charge made a decision, and there was an outcry among the people. An outcry so loud that everyone, literally everyone, heard it. I am, of course, speaking about Microsoft's killing of MS Paint. Why? What do you think I was talking about? Doesn't matter. Here's how the stories pretty much went. Monday, everyone kept chanting out as loud as they could, Rip paint, rip paint, rip paint, rip paint is being killed, MS Paint is over. The following day, everyone cheered out, Paint lives! In fact, here, in this story I've got up right now that it came out on the 24th when it was first announced that, that Paint was being killed, right next to it, Paint lives! Let me tell you why a lot of this is not correct. Okay? So, let's go back in time for a bit. Very recently, Windows 10 came out with an update called the Creator's Update. This update was forced on almost every single Windows 10 version and pretty much dragged you kicking and screaming into this update. One of the changes this update did was it added a new app called 3D Paint. 3D Paint is a lot like MS Paint, except for the fact that it makes 3D objects. So instead of making very crude drawings, you can now make very crude 3D models. And currently, I, I was kicking myself, because this should have been the easiest... This should have been the easiest prediction to make in the world. That 2D paint was going to be kind of put on the back burner, and possibly never updated. And that's what happened. On Monday, it was announced that MS Paint, 2D paint was going to be in deprecated status. This means that it will not receive any future updates and it may not appear in future versions of Windows. This caused the big uproar saying that MS Paint is dead. It technically wasn't. It just means that MS Paint is not going to receive any future updates. You could still use it. It's not going to be forcefully removed from your computer. Then Tuesday, Microsoft came out and said that MS Paint will be available in the App Store so you can, in fact, down the road, download MS Paint. That's when everyone said, Paint's gonna live. Here's the truth. Paint is basically dead. 
It's not going to receive any future updates. But unlike past Windows games, like, say, Ski Free or any of the other classics you remember from earlier versions of Windows, you can still download Paint in the App Store, so you can always still get it back. There's just never going to be a future version of Paint. And possibly down the road, say in four or five years, you're go- it's it's going to be pulled from the App Store too. So if someone tells you that Paint is dead and then it was saved... It's not the case. It just isn't. It has been marked for death. Microsoft clearly is going to be pushing more in favor of Paint 3D for their basic editing tool. That's just going to be the way it is. So... For this, we say, Paint, you've had one hell of a run. And I'm sure for crude drawings, we'll look forward to all sorts of disasters that are going to come out of Paint 3D. And with that, we move on to the next death story. Adobe, finally is killing Flash. Hello to everyone who just recently joined our live chat for this podcast. I am currently recording. If you have any questions, do feel free to ask them in the chat. Now to actually continue the podcast. So everyone knew this was coming. Everyone knew this was coming since the iPhone came out 10 years ago. Adobe Flash has been unstable for a very long time. It's gotten a bad rap for being a huge exploit engine. And finally, Adobe is going to stop supporting Flash. They're going to continue supporting it, but in the year 2020, the year of perfect vision, Adobe Flash will officially be dead. And I'm not going to lie, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it just because... Think about all the animations that were made in Flash. That can only be viewed in Flash. There's tons of them. So many ancient memes in Flash. There is still a board on what a lot of people consider the cesspool of the internet on 4chan dedicated just for funny videos made in Flash. And yeah. We all knew it was coming. What else can you really say when push comes to shove? We'll miss you, Flash. Your memory shall forever live on. Any time that any of us old internet dwellers remember peanut butter jelly time. Or some other ancient meme. Created on new grounds. Rest in peace, Flash. Well, since we're on the topic of things that are dying on the internet, let's talk about how Walmart killed its early SNES Classic uh, classic Edition pre-orders. 
so I missed this. I completely missed that apparently Walmart had the SNES Classic Edition for pre-order on its site long before it was ever supposed to. The SNES Classic is, well, it's due for the holiday season. Chances are pre-orders aren't going to be even close to being available until mid-September. But apparently Walmart had uh, pre-orders that they had to go through and refund them all. Because it was all a huge, colossal error that should have never happened. Someone in charge of the Walmart online e-commerce store completely screwed up. They made the listing, but instead of scheduling it for when it was actually supposed to be available, they put it available at that second. That's what clearly happened. It doesn't take any, any genius to figure out exactly what happened. What's funny is that not only that this happened, but the fact that it has so much popularity. These little classic emulation boxes. And let's be serious, that's what they are. It is an ARM chip running an SNES emulator. The only difference is that while emulators are cover kind of a gray legal area that's a much darker shade of red of gray and it's not exactly uh uh something that uh is really kosher this the the SNES classic edition as well as the NES classic are both legal forms of emulation because they're being sold by Nintendo and therefore wouldn't infringe on anything. And the chat's already now going now. Watch them re-release the GameCube. Of course they're going to re-release the GameCube. You already know what's going to happen next year. Next year is going to be the the N64 Classic Edition. The year after that will be the GameCube Classic. They'll probably stop there because you can still get Wii games. They'll probably go back to re-releasing the the NES Classic. Or they might go into the Portable Realm. Releasing a Game Boy Classic Edition. And a Game Boy Color Classic Edition. Nintendo has finally figured out that in addition to actually coming out with a console that people want, they can easily make money on people's nostalgia. It's only taken Nintendo, what, 20 years to realize this? Ever since the dawn of emulation? It's about time, for one thing, that they realize this, but... Yeah. What else can you say? There's going to be more and more of these classic editions. Atari's doing the same thing right now. In fact, Nintendo owns Sega. I gar- Probably actually before the game, the, uh, the N64 classic, there's probably going to be a Sega Genesis classic. Because Nintendo owns Sega now. 
So that's probably going to happen. And who knows, maybe DJ Cashmere in the chat is right, that Sony's going to re-release the PS1. I could see that. What what other consoles could be re-released? The Sega Saturn? (laughs) Probably not. Let's move on a little bit. So... Normally, the Hacker Conference DEFCON usually kind of, sort of, goes off with the... Someone in the chat is telling me that Sega is not owned by Nintendo. I am 80% positive that Sega is owned by Nintendo. That's why they're teaming up in the various games. Making me look this up. Okay. Alright, no. I did misspeak. Nintendo doesn't own Sega. Sega just basically doesn't exist. Basically what what it boils down to is Sega just works on making some games and they basically now just work with Nintendo. They've given up on being a giant like Nintendo. So yeah, I do apologize. Sega is independent. I did misspeak. I'm not sure where I got that information from. In any case, back to uh, DEF CON. DEF CON is... It's a hacker convention. It goes on every year. And every year it goes mostly with nobody noticing anything. And there's usually a whole bunch of exploits. The moment you start reading about it, you become paranoid about everything because you realize that hackers can get into anything and blah, blah, blah. You basically start becoming extremely terrified for what hackers can do. Well, everyone suddenly started taking notice of DEFCON when uh, DEFCON decided to take apart a bunch of voting machines to see how easy it is to break in and actually hack them. (laughs) And of course, everyone who is politically left of center is now staring at this going, Aha! So you can hack an election. Well, yes and no. There's a golden rule among hackers. Once you have physical access to the machine, all bets are off. That rule basically applies to anything electronic. Anyone who knows anything about trying to get in and gain access to a piece of computer hardware, once it's in front of them, there's a way in. There's always a way in. The key with hacking is trying to get in remotely. 
voting machines do not have remote access. That's their intent. Too old for gaming. I'm not sure what you're talking about with followers only mode. The we're recording a podcast. The chat's not in followers only mode. I'm I'm distracted. All right. Anyway, um, so a lot of people are looking at this now and hoping that aha, so so the elections could have been hacked. Not really. The DEFCON hackers showed multiple ways that, okay, here's a USB port. All you got to do is plug this in and you could have put in a targeted a targeted program to start mixing things up, possibly change the numbers inside it. You could attach a keyboard using the USB port. All sorts of things. But again, you had to have fi- you had to have physical access to it. This is kind of one of the reasons why you're not going to see online voting anytime soon. Because that allows remote access to the machine. If you can vote remotely, someone could get in that way. All of this paranoia now about elections can be rigged, everything's rigged, nothing matters, blah, 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 blah. What's going on at DEF CON isn't news. Politico here is making a big deal about the fact that hackers, once they get physical access machine to the voting machine, they can change votes. No crap. That's why you make sure that you don't see anyone trying to go under a voting machine to plug a keyboard into the machine. It would be easily noticeable. That's why you have machines like this to not be accessed by a network so that it can be done remotely. So that an actual hack can't happen. It's just... It's still so annoying that we are now seven months. No, we're ten months away from, no, ten, nine, no, it's about ten. About ten months away from from the election. And we are still hoping there was some way... That the election was invalidated. For crying out loud. Grow up. Please. This is getting annoying. Unjust man in the chat says if I have access to the oval on. I have access to the oval access with a gun. I can manipulate the political process. Getting that access is the hardest part. Exactly. I I need to move on from this. This is... This whole thing is just... It's going to do nothing but make me cringe. At how much people want to just pretend like 
what happened didn't happen. It happened. It's time to start dealing with it. Now is the time to start cringing about the fact that a company is injecting microchips into people's hands. No, I'm not making that up. Well, kind of am. There's no forcing. Roughly 50 employees at um, a company called Three Squared Market that all volunteered will have a microchip embedded between their thumb and forefinger. Kind of right in that fleshy little webbing portion of your hand right here. You can feel it. Right there. It's a capsule the size of a grain of rice that has NFC capability. And with that, they'd be able to use their hand to gain access to... Say, security doors, put in their credit card information into, say, a vending machine, that sort of thing. It's, it's all an experimental testing phase. Though... A lot of people are saying that's going to be a low-powered chip, so you've got to be almost basically touching the reader. Like, your hand's got to be, like, grasping the card reader or the NFC area. But we aren't going to know anyway until August 1st. Now, Unjust actually just asked, is it a voluntary condition of employment? No. Up the project, it was a memo that went across the company. Three Squared makes vending machines and looks at new te new technology that can be implemented in vending machines. They look for fifty volunteers, so it was just like we want fifty. We want up to fifty people volunteering for this. Fifty people volunteered. August first is when it's going to happen. We'll then find out next week how well this works. Now, of course, everyone immediately goes, a chip inside my hand? That means I can be tracked easily. Probably not. Because remember, the chip has no power. It's just an NFC chip. That means only other readers can give it power and have the data read. I, on the other hand, wonder, God, how annoying would that be? Can you imagine as you move your hand feeling a grain of rice stuck under your skin? Ugh. As cool as it might be to walk up to a door, hold my hand out, and have it open for me. Just the thought of when I, like, clench my hand or grab anything, I can feel it shifting under my skin. Ugh. Just, ugh. Man. I just... Ugh. All the power to the to them. All the power to them. Hopefully, it can be easily handled. All right, let's go over to what we do best around here, and that's talking about the latest computer hardware. The AMD Ryzen three processors are out. Ryzen 3 is the bottom tier AMD processors. These are the ones that are supposed to compete with the core i3s. Alright, we finally have the details today. Here's what we got. The Ryzen 1300X is going to be a quad-core chip with four threads, so no hyper-threading. Base clock at 3.4 GHz. Turbo up to 3.7. DDR4 dual-channel RAM. 65 watts, 65 watt TDP, price of $129. The Ryzen 3 1200, 14 nanometer processing tech, 4 cores, 4 threads, 3.1 gigahertz, turbo up to 3.4, 8, 8 megs of cache, DDR4 dual channel, 65 TDP watt, $109. Those are the only two. Those are going to go directly up against with 
the Core i3-7350K, the Core i3-7100, and the Pentium G4560. All of these chips from Intel are two cores, four threads. So naturally, the Ryzen parts are going to be better at multi-threaded applications. Just like, um, I don't know, every other Ryzen chip. But the thing here is that the two Ryzen parts are clearly competing with the Core i3 ones. The 1300X is slightly cheaper than the 3550K. The 3550K is a two-core, four-thread part, 4.2 gigahertz, no turbo, 60-watt part. The 7100K is 3.9 gigahertz, two cores, four threads, 51-watt part. The 7350K is $150. The 7100 is $120. So the AMD part undercuts them both. But now here's the thing. One, the Ryzen parts can self-overclock. They can turbo. The Core i3 parts can't. That part's disabled. The Ryzen parts can also are four threat or four cores. They have four real cores. Now, in this day and age, most applications, and even most games, unless you're Terra and Terrible, know how to use four cores. They can gain that benefit. It's going to be harder for a game to use six cores or the 12 threads of, say, like the Ryzen 5s. But four cores? No problem. In fact, actually, at this lower end, the Ryzen parts will probably prove to be the better processor, both for gaming and for workstation applications. Both in the professional world and the gaming world, the Ryzen 3s will probably beat out the Core i3s. Of course, we won't know until... The Ryzen 3s get out into the benchmarkers and can then be test head-to-head against the Core i3s. That's the only way we'll ever know. And I will eagerly wait for that day to come to find out what's going to be best for future budget builds. Because when push comes to shove, anytime anyone wants someone like me to build a computer it's always on a tight budget and you always got to look at what's the best performance per dollar for that budget and what's their goal so we'll see you down the road all right so this next story i am going to try I'm going to try my very best to not bring politics into this next story. But I'm not going to lie, this next story is going to be very difficult to do that. Much more difficult than it is with every other story. Even the mach- even the voting machine story that we just talked about. It is easier to not inject politics into that one, even though I kind of did. But I'm going to try my best with this next one. I'm going to be talking about what has easily been the most covered story this last week here in my home state of Wisconsin. And I'm going to go over day by day how this story quickly evolved and exploded this week. Alright? I didn't talk about this story earlier in the month because it was rumors. Earlier in the month there were rumors 
that a Foxconn factory was going to be built in the United States. Foxconn is a Taiwanese company that mostly exists in China. And they are basically the stereotypical Chinese manufacturer. They build tons upon tons upon tons upon tons of electronic components that are used for almost every single electronic seller in the world. They make TVs, they make laptops, they make motherboards, they make desktops, they make tablets. They are the main vendor for Apple, making their iMacs, making their Mac Pros, making their, of course, iPhones, which is what most people know them for. They make their Samsung phones. The thought that a that a Foxconn factory would be built in the United States seems so far-fetched that it wasn't even worth acknowledging. But then, on Monday, rumors spiked. Monday in the morning... It was basically all but confirmed that there was going to be a Foxconn factory somewhere in the U.S. targeting the Midwest. Detroit, Wisconsin, Ohio, lots of states were being targeted. Those three were near the top of the list, supposedly. Monday afternoon... It was confirmed by a local talk show host here in Wisconsin that the Foxconn factory is coming to southeast Wisconsin and it was going to be announced Thursday at the Art Museum. That was his report. Tuesday, that report went everywhere. And then Wednesday, it was made official. It was made official that Foxconn was building a factory that would build LCD panels for televisions, high-end televisions, specifically targeting the 8K market in southeast Wisconsin. That's basically where this story ends for right now. More than likely, more and more details are going to be revealed down the road. There's word right now that this Foxconn factory could employ anywhere between 3,000 and 13,000 employees, despite all of its automation. And that there was some tax packet package that was cut between the Wisconsin governor and Foxconn. Now, that package still has to be approved by the state Senate and state Congress. And unfortunately, I don't have all the details yet. So this sounds like a big deal, right? This sounds like something that is a major major opportunity an electronics factory one of the only ones in the entire United States is about to open in Wisconsin the moment you google Foxconn Wisconsin You get nothing but every single possible news outlet trying to find any reason to hate it. And granted, I'm a little curious about this myself. How is a Chinese company, primarily, if I were, I mean, I know Foxconn is a Taiwanese company, 
But for the most part, 80% of their operation is in China. Foxconn's culture, as we know, is basically Chinese, where people don't make a whole lot, but still make enough to live. Like, roughly equivalent to what here in the U.S. would be about $2 an hour. And living on campus. How would that translate over to the U.S.? Especially since a lot of people talk about potential suicides at Foxconn plants. And the answer is, I don't know. Nobody knows. The only person who might know are the people from Foxconn that are planning this plant. Those are literally the only people who know. It is legitimate to think about these things and how that might work. But in the end, no one truly has an answer. But already you see people saying like, oh, is is Wisconsin paying too much for this? And so far, all indications of what the package is shows that all of it is tax credit, which means that technically the state isn't giving anything. The only thing they're doing is saying you don't have to pay taxes on this, this, and this. And all of those require certain goals to be met. We're not going to know the full package until next week when it's presented to the state Senate. Rumors are also saying that this package is going to include I-94 being expanded. That actually would be paying something. That does mean that the state has to pay for the construction of that. That, If that's the case, that's not that big a deal. That was something that the state was planning even before Foxconn was even a thought. Now, one thing that a lot of people aren't talking about, though I'm sure someone is, is the potential land that this Foxconn factory is going to be taking. Most of the speculation is that it's going to be in Racine. Racine, Wisconsin is a very... It's a pretty small city. It's only about 70,000 people. And it's... It's there. That's basically all Racine is. It's there. The site that a lot of people are expecting it to go is mostly farmland and state park. If the state is selling that land to Foxconn for a dollar as part of this sweetheart deal, then that is assets lost. But here's the other thing. While it is assets lost, look at what the state is gaining. Up to 13,000 jobs, in addition to any jobs that that factory would generate. They're making the panels for the TVs. I guarantee you, a TV factory is going to go up Within a hundred miles of there. Within a hundred mile radius of that Foxconn... Fi- of that Foxconn... I was going to say factory, but it's it's going to end up being something like a campus. This thing is supposed to be 10 million square miles. That is enormous. That's the equivalent of 11 football fields. Or if you're a Wisconsinite, 11 Lambeau fields. Because that's the analogy that's been going around endlessly. I'm almost willing to guarantee within a hundred within a hundred miles of this factory, there is going to be a TV factory, more than likely a Sharp factory. Sharp is a brand that is actually owned by Foxconn.
While talking about Foxconn, the chat immediately has to point out that the Packers suck despite hitting the playoffs. Every year for at least the past 12 years. I'm sure it's probably actually been more than that, but I'm not talking about football, we're talking about Foxconn. The point is, despite the chat trying to do its best to be as much of a, um, to be as much of a, a foot, football stooge as possible. I don't think it can be understated how big a deal that Foxconn is coming is. But again, the biggest issue I want to restate is how life at Foxconn is actually going to be. And no matter what anyone tells you, unless they actually are one of the Foxconn executives, they don't know. Nobody knows, except the Foxconn executives. They clearly have a plan, and they are keeping it very close to their chest. And with that, let's move on to the last story of the day. The fact that the ransomware problem is getting so bad. It's getting so bad. That the criminal operators of the ransomware... The ransomware that is locking up people's computers and demanding a payment to unlock your computer are creating their own customer service firm to help victims of their criminal virus to pay them. This is a real thing. I am not making this up. The creators of the malware have customer service reps on standby to help anyone who doesn't know how to get a Bitcoin or to, or how to make an online payment, or anything of that nature, to help them get through this troubling times that they created to be able to pay the criminals to then unlock their computer. What more can you say? That's how bad ransomware is getting. This is how bad it's getting. It is getting to the point that there's a help desk for this criminal enterprise. Look. This is without a doubt getting out of hand. I mean, look, the hiring graphic designers, which this article also comes up with, I can understand that. Trying to make their, their malware look as legitimate as possible is one thing. But to hire, hire help desk. Here is the key. Here's what I'm going to say. I normally don't ask for any sort of activism at all. 
but I can say this is in the better interest of everyone. Tell anyone you know that is potentially at risk of falling for ransomware like this. Tell them never, ever to call the number on the ransomware. Go see an IT guy. Go to Geek Squad or Office Ma Whatever. I don't care who. Whatever you do, do not, under any circumstances, call the number and give these guys, who seem to have enough money to now hire help desks, what more can you say? Find help. Go seek actual help if you're affected by this. Do not call the number on the screen. Spread the word as much as possible. Do not, under any circumstances, call the number on the screen. Never, ever, 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 ever. That's going to do it for me, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You can, of course, support this podcast by going to twitch.tv slash eagle underscore falcon and find any way to support that channel that is my channel. Take care. See you next time.